look to the word of the Lord this evening and uh, we're going to be concentrating our attention on the book of Nehemiah, the 13th chapter. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, building spiritual walls. Uh, before we do, I do want to tell you we are in for a very special uh, treat this coming Sunday. Uh, Ohio Men's Conference is taking place Friday night and Saturday morning, and we're going to have a great time at the Ohio Men's Conference. Uh, one of the speakers there, Brother Robert Martin, who is a wonderful, powerful preacher of the gospel and is, uh, was the general superintendent for a number of years of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, served as a uh, board member on Urshan Graduate School of Theology uh, board, a powerful preacher, was the national international youth president of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll be speaking at the Ohio Men's Conference, and he'll be with us on Sunday. And we're going to have a wonderful time. We're going to be blessed of the Lord with Pastor Martin's ministry on this Sunday. So we look forward to that. Amen. Uh, but I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, building spiritual walls, building spiritual walls. And I can already imagine uh, someone just looking at that title or hearing that title and wondering uh, what direction we go with that. Because while we understand walls are important, uh, there is this, this this defense mechanism that goes up in our flesh that says, I don't want to be hemmed in. I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, somehow controlled or contained, especially in the culture that we live in today. Uh, there is a, an immediate reaction to the idea of walls. Don't wall me in uh, is the mentality many times. But walls are important. And so I want to speak to it, and I, I want to speak specifically to the subject of, of spiritual walls. And, and I want to talk to you about it from the perspective of the story or the account of Nehemiah. Now, uh, as we look to the word of the Lord, we're going to be concentrating on uh, Nehemiah chapter 13. And we're going to look at the uh, last chapter of this great book. And of this great man, a man that God raised up uh, to do his work uh, for the children of Israel. Uh, and so we want to talk about the fact that it was upon Nehemiah's heart to build walls for the city of Jerusalem. Because he had learned that the wall lie waste. He had learned that the city of his heritage was in ruin because of the captivity that had taken place uh, for the children of Israel. He being one of the, one of the captives. And, and it just got to him. And the, the story of Nehemiah and the book of Nehemiah opens with Nehemiah being very grieved at the reality that his city, the, the promised land... The city of peace, we talked about Melchizedek and the king of Salem a few weeks ago. And, and really, truly, that would have been uh, the, the uh, precursor to the city of peace or Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah is concerned about this. He prays to God about this and decides he's going to go before the king. He asks God to give him favor. Famously, God did give him favor. Uh, he was the king's cup bearer which means he held a position of trust with the king. Uh, the cup bearer was indeed a trusted individual. This person risked their life for the king every single day, multiple times. Uh, the king didn't take uh, drink or eat food uh, without the cup bearer uh, tasting it first and making sure that it was not poisonous. Uh, this meant that if the cupbearer did not uh, clutch his throat and fall down dead, then the food was fine. The drink was fine. And, uh, and you know, you, you have somebody do that for you multiple times a day. Uh, you start to trust that person a little bit. And so the king and Nehemiah would have had uh, a, a relationship uh, that, was, that was heavy in trust. And uh, that's how the first chapter opens up. The second chapter is Nehemiah coming in before the king. And the king recognizes that he has downcast in his countenance. And he is wondering why he is downcast. Now, I, I have to stop there and say that that says a lot about Nehemiah. He has one day where he's not all smiles and the king notices it. 
I wonder if it could be said of us to the same extent that if we have one day where we're not happy and excited and just full of enthusiasm and people take note of it. I hate to say this, but sometimes it's the other way around. We come in all chipper and they say, well, aren't you happy this morning? It should be the other way around for the people of God. We're a joyful people. We have reason more than anybody to be full of joy and to be full of hope and to be full of happiness. And so Nehemiah comes in. It's, it's a unique day because he's not his normal, chipper, happy, joyful self. And the king inquires until Nehemiah relents and tells him why he is so uh, downcast. And he says, what is there to be excited about? Because my city, the city of my heritage and the promise to God, my people are from God. That city lie waste and we need to build the city up. And I don't know where to, I don't even know where to start. This task is beyond me. Uh, and, and yet I have a burden in my heart to fulfill this task. And you know, Nehemiah wasn't just uh, uh, positing himself to the task of building the wall, but to rebuild the wall. And rebuilding something is often more complicated than building something. Uh, because, you know, when you build something, you put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. You put a lot of, you put a lot of yourself into it. To rebuild it, uh, you kind of have to manufacture that again. And that's a challenging prospect. So Nehemiah is going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the book of Nehemiah unfolds with him receiving favor of the king, receiving funding from the king, the king giving him leave to go and do this great work. He goes from being the cupbearer to the Tirshatha or the governor. He's receiving promotion. He's receiving favor. Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem and or goes to Jerusalem. And when he goes to Jerusalem, he spies it out. He examines it. He goes in the dead of night so that he is not observed. He's trying to be as discreet as possible. He's, he's observing the people. He's observing the city. He's observing the wall. He's looking around. He's developing a plan and a strategy. And then he launches into his work. And uh, he is met with stiff resistance. And the resistance comes primarily from two specific people, and their names are Sanballat and Tobiah. Now, I want to, I want to uh, just point them out. We're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 10. And I want you to, uh, I want you to consider these, these people that the word of the Lord uh, speaks about. Verse 10 of Nehemiah chapter 2. When Sanballat the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it meaning that Nehemiah was coming to Jerusalem and was going to rebuild the walls and he was going to establish this as a, a thriving city. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Never kid yourself that the enemy does not want the people of God to succeed. And when God lays it upon the heart of people to lay, put their shoulder to the plow, there are going to be the sand ballots and the Tobias of our world that are stirred up by the adversary to try to prevent the people of God from being blessed of the Lord. And you and I, cannot we must not be discouraged by that we have to continue the work that God has called us to do uh, these men were so horrible in their opposition to Nehemiah they criticized him they criticized his work they challenged his motive they they tried to uh, juxtapose him to the king saying that he was somehow uh, a traitor to the crown they even uh, went as far as to uh, criticize his work his workmanship, saying that he didn't know what he was doing. His competence was in question. They, they actually said that the wall would not even be sufficiently built. Nehemiah doesn't know what he's doing. And if Nehemiah's hand is involved, then the whole thing will come crashing down. They said so much as a fox. If it were to go upon that wall, the whole wall would come down. And it was just, I mean, they were childish. They were evil. They were on the spectrum uh, of that of that uh, dynamic, every imaginable insult, every imaginable uh, manipulation, 
they employed it to try to stop Nehemiah. They threatened, finally, they threatened physical violence. And it scared some of the people when physical violence was threatened. Nehemiah responded to the physical violent threats and said this. He said, put a, a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other, but don't stop working. We're not coming down from the wall. We'll defend ourselves if we have to, but you're not going to distract us from doing what God has called us to do. And that has to be our attitude. We will protect our families. We will protect what, what, what we have to protect. But we're not going to stop doing what the Lord has called us to do. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And that is what we seek first. And his righteousness and everything else we need shall be added unto us. So he remains focused on the task at hand. And, and then, of course, uh, the, the, the bulk of the book has to do with the construction of that wall, the reconstruction, if you, if you please, of that wall and the way that they overcame the threats and the violent in, uh, threats, the insults. And uh, then it goes into some of the orders that they established. And it, it talks about the various uh, uh, placement of people from various tribes and their roles and it talks about the various gates that were uh, put into those walls reestablishing everything and one of the things that they did was it wasn't simply a reestablishment of the walls for walls sake but it was a reestablishment of the walls so that they could come within those walls and reestablish their connection to the God of Israel. And that's why I say walls are important. And so when people buck that and, and kind of bow up against that and say, don't try to hem me in with a wall, you're missing the point. It was never God's will for Israel to lock themselves behind those walls. It was always God's will for Israel to be the blesser of all the nations of the earth. All the families of the earth were to be blessed by the nation of Israel. But Israel could not bless those nations if Israel was just like those nations. So Israel had to have a place where they could live and convene and understand who they are and what they believe. And, and if they don't have walls then the very nations that they're trying to bless would have access to them and would trample them and would be able to, to convolute and, and erase the value of who Israel is. So Israel has walls not to prevent them from ever seeing anybody who's not an Israelite, but to prevent their faith from being diluted from any false teaching of the world. That is why we have to have walls. That is why the church has to be the church. And the church has to be situated, beautiful for situation. And yes, we do separate ourselves from the world unto the Lord. Not so that we can never see anybody in the world, but so that we can understand who we are. Get that down pat down inside your soul, down inside your spirit, understand who God is. Understand who that makes you when you're in him. Understand the power that comes from his spirit. The power that comes from his favor. The power that comes from his principles. Now I'm going to take just a little rabbit trail here, uh, but it's in keeping with what we're talking about. Those principles... You know why it's so easy to believe that the word of God is inspired? Now we could, we could confirm that in a variety of ways. We could confirm it through history. We could confirm it through scientific discovery. We could confirm it through archaeological discovery. We can confirm it through the painstaking way that the scribes are, uh, wrote down this, this holy book that we hold in our hands. And we could confirm it through the prophecies that have all come to pass. But I love even the confirmation that comes from the application of its principles. I don't need another miracle to happen for me to know that God is real. 
I don't need another prophecy to come to pass for me to know that this Bible is true. Because the principles are so sound that when you apply them, there will be peace and there will be joy and there will be, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost when you exalt his word. It's a principle. He inhabits the praises of Israel. When you begin to praise him, there is a presence of God that comes into the atmosphere. And it's, it's a principle. The principles are so sound that when husbands employ them in their treatment of their wives, it immediately begins to sanctify the marriage. The principles are so sound that when parents begin to employ them with children, it begins to sanctify that relationship. The principles are so sound that when somebody handles their money in the way this Bible tells them to, it sanctifies their finances. The principles are sound. And so the walls are a, a, an apparatus designed to protect an environment where the principles of God, the truth of God, the power of God can be taught, articulated, and even experienced. Not, not to prevent anybody from, from uh, knowing what's going on in the outside world, but to help everybody have a clear understanding of who the Lord is. So Nehemiah says, nobody, Israel doesn't even know who they are because the walls are gone. So Israel's just open season. And everything and everybody has been running roughshod over Israel. And he said, we've got to get these walls built up. Now, Isaiah 26 says this, and we're just going to go ahead and turn there. Uh, I'm going to turn there if we can maybe pull that up. Isaiah chapter 26. Uh, I want to just read to you a, a few verses of scripture here. Uh, that, that talk about walls. Isaiah chapter 26. And let's read verse 1. In that day shall this song uh, be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. This is why we are so emphatic that a man and a woman must be born of the water and of the spirit. It is, it, is, it is imperative. It is, of course, essential, but it's also imperative that you repent of your sins, are baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. One of the reasons that the Bible may not make a lot of sense to you is because if you do not have the Holy Ghost, then you're not looking at it through the eyes of Revelation. The Holy Ghost will reveal the Word of God to you. These are walls. That salvation is a wall around the people of God. And now that you experience that, and now that you, now that you erect that and live in the context of that salvation, now let's start dealing with what goes on inside those walls. And that's what Nehemiah is dealing with in the 13th chapter. Nehemiah did not just go to Jerusalem to erect natural walls. He went also to build spiritual walls. And so I want to talk to you about some of those spiritual walls. Because once you start dealing with preventing the outside influences of our world. And how many know that there are outside influences in our world that would love to come and corrupt your faith? How many know that there are, and these influences have more access to us now than they ever did before. And it's imperative that you build walls. And you, and you build not just natural walls, but spiritual walls. So that you can maintain the precious nature of who God has made you to be. And that you can pass that on to your children, to your family. Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 1. On that day... They read in the book of Moses, in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, 
but hired Balaam against them that he should curse them. How be it? Our God turned the curse into a blessing. How many times has God turned the curse into a blessing? Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated. Everybody say separated. From Israel all the mixed multitude. And that mixed multitude has to do with those who are opposed to the things of God. Now the Moabites and the Ammonites, here's the thing about them. The Moabites and the Ammonites were related to the Israelites. They were distant cousins. Two times, three times, four times removed. Their aunt and their grandma and their uncle and their brothers and their... And you go down the list, but they may have been related. And sometimes you can feel a familial connection to somebody. And yet the fact of the matter is Ammon and Moab were the product of a sinful relationship. They were the product of Lot's relationship with his daughters. And it was a sinful relationship and Ammon and Moab lived it out when they hired Balaam to try to curse the people of God. And the Lord put it down, wrote it down, set it, established that the Ammonites and the Moabites were not to mix in with the children of Israel. And, and, and what that does is it establishes a spiritual principle for us. That we are to keep our relationships holy before the Lord. And we do not need to be in unholy relationships. And that's why when we come into the church of the living God, we really do separate ourselves from people who don't serve the Lord. Now you say, but now pastor, aren't I supposed to reach them? Yes, you absolutely are supposed to reach them. But you don't tear down walls to reach the world. You come inside these walls and you understand who you are. And you understand who God is. And you understand the power of his truth. And you ready your mind. And you ready your spirit. And you prepare your heart and hide his word in your heart. That you might not sin against him. So that you will know how to preach the gospel and live the life of righteousness before people. There are going to be places you don't go anymore after you come into the church of the living God. There are going to be some people you don't hang out with anymore. And if you do keep hanging out with them, don't be surprised if you get arrested too. Don't be surprised if you get drunk too. Don't be surprised if you have a criminal record tomorrow morning too. Because you're hanging out with the Moabites and the Ammonites. I'm talking about spiritual walls. You've got to, listen, we've got to be serious about living for God. Now you need to be there for somebody when they're in a time of need. You need to be a lighthouse. You need to be a Christian example. You need to be somebody they can call and, and talk to and somebody they can reach out to. But you're not just one of the crowd anymore. God called you out. He called you out. Don't let the devil tell you that you're missing out. You're not missing out. He brought you out. He brought you out of that confusion. He brought you out of that chaos. He brought you out of that sinful living. He brought you out. He called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. We don't laugh at their jokes. We don't use their language. We don't talk like them. We don't dress like them. And it's not because we're better than anybody. But it's because there are some holy and sacred truths inside these walls. And, and when they heard the law read, they realized that God said that the Israelites are not to be, not to be in sacred connection with the Moabites and the Ammonites. And so they, were, they, they actually removed them, separated from Israel all the Moabites 
and all of the Ammonites. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, and, and you say, well, you mean I can't talk to them ever again? No, you, you, you know what I mean. You absolutely, you need to be the person they can talk to. But it needs to be in the context of holiness and right living. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 14. Or pardon me, verse 4. And it, it, this is just going down through the 13th chapter of Nehemiah. Before this, Eliashub the priest. Okay, this guy's a priest. That's important to recognize because he had responsibilities that he was not taking care of. But Eliashub the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. What? Eliashib the priest was allied unto Tobiah, the, 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 the Ammonite? He was allied with the guy that was trying to destroy Israel and was mad when he found out that Nehemiah had come to seek out the welfare of the children of Israel? Eliashib, this is an example of why God didn't want the Israelites connected to the Ammonites. Because here's an Ammonite named Tobiah, and this Ammonite that has the ear of Elisha the priest, that has the relationship with Elisha the priest, the priest is compromised. The priest cannot seek out the welfare of the children of Israel because of his relationship with this Ammonite Tobiah. And Tobiah has done everything he can to destroy the work of Nehemiah. And Eliashub is allied. Be careful who you're allies with. You're, you may be allies with some people who don't want you to seek the welfare of your family. You may be allied with some people who don't want the welfare of your future. Who don't want the welfare of the people of God. Who, who don't want you living in peace because it convicts them when you're living right before God. So if they can get you to make mistakes you used to make, then it makes them feel better about the mistakes they're making. They don't even know that they're being used of the enemy, but they are. And Elisha, the priest of all people, is, is in alliance with Tobiah, the Ammonite. And in verse 5, he prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offering. I want you to notice this. The frankincense, the vessels, the tithes, of the corn, the new wine, the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites, the singers, the porters, and the offerings of the priest. Okay, so, so Eliashib has a chamber prepared for him. And in this chamber are all the tithes of corn, wine, oil, frankincense, Everything that is supposed to be given to the Levites and to the singers and to the porters and to the priests, it, Tobiah is overseeing it. The oversight was given to Eliashib, but he has, he has acquiesced oversight to Tobiah, the enemy of Israel. When you develop alliances with people who are opposed to your walk with God, you yield oversight of things God wants you to be focused on in your life. Verse number uh, uh, 10. Let's, let's, let's go down to verse number 10. Because the Bible said, well, let's, let's just read on here. Verse number 7. I came to Jerusalem. And I understood the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God, and it grieved me sore. Therefore, I cast all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. No, Nehemiah didn't just come to build natural walls. Nehemiah walks into the chamber and starts grabbing everything Tobiah's got. He's taking sock drawers and throwing them out into the street. He's taking shampoo bottles and throwing them out into the street. He's got his razors. He's cleaning out dressers. He's cleaning, he's cleaning his clock. He's telling him, I want you out of this chamber. This chamber is to be consecrated to God. It is not for the enemies of God's people. It's not for the enemies of God's heritage. It's not for those who are opposed to what the Lord is doing. 
Nehemiah removes everything that Tobiah had set up in that chamber. He removed it all out of the chamber. Verse 9, then I commanded and they cleansed the chambers. And thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. And I perceived, verse 10, I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled, everyone to his field. Now what Nehemiah is saying is that Eliashib the priest and Tobiah the Ammonite had this connection, this relationship, this friendship. And, and Tobiah became the overseer of the things of God. And Nehemiah starts looking around and he said in verse number 11... Then contended I with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? This tithe is supposed to go to the Levites. It's supposed to go to the people who are conducting the work of the temple. And it's not going to the Levites. Tobiah has distracted the people of God from what the Lord had called them to do. And the house of God has become forsaken. The Levites fled everyone to his field. And under God's design in the law, the Levites weren't even supposed to have a field. Levites weren't even supposed to be in the field. They were supposed to be in the house of God doing the work of the Lord. That's what they were supposed to do. But, but things get unwieldy when you take up alliances with, with the things of this world. So you've got to build spiritual walls. And, and those spiritual walls are walls that say, number one, I'm going to be separated unto the Lord. Praise God. How many, how many know what I'm talking about when I say that you had to walk away from some relationships that were not conducive to living for God? I need to see a show of hands. I need to see. That's, that wasn't a rhetorical question. That you've had, to, you've had to walk away from some connections. And you know what? You weren't saying, you weren't saying that, they were, that they, you didn't love them anymore. You weren't saying that they now were, were dead to you. You were saying that you had to put yourself in an environment that was conducive to living for the Lord. You were doing for your spirit what Nehemiah was doing for Jerusalem. Building spiritual walls. Don't surround yourself with people who are constantly tearing down the things of God. Questioning the things of God. Do you know that's what Eve's problem was? She developed a, a conversation with the serpent. And the serpent's words were a criticism and an accusation of the things of God. You need to be in the company of people who join you in praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't forget what your life was like before you met the Lord. Don't forget the pit that he brought you out of. Don't forget the despair you felt. Don't forget the, don't forget the despondency of your soul. And understand that there are agents of the adversary who would like to drag you back down. But build those spiritual walls. And, and so Nehemiah said, get rid of Tobiah, get rid of his household stuff. Because what has happened, what has happened is Tobiah has become exalted and the house of God has become forsaken. I'm going to tell you how to build a spiritual wall. Never forsake the house of God. Never forsake the house of God. I'm going to break it on down. Come to church. I know we're the church. I know, I know we're the church and this building isn't the church, but come to where the church is gathering. Come to church. Be in the house of God. Hallelujah. Don't let the house of God go forsaken. There has to be a lighthouse. There has to be a place where people can repent. There has to be a place where people can praise God together. There has to be a place where our children can learn the word of God. There has to be a place where the saints can, can testify the goodness of God. There's got to be a place where the redeemed of the Lord can say so. Oh, I know that you, there, there are a million voices. There are, there are billions of voices that will tell you it doesn't matter. And you don't have to go to one place to worship God. And, and you let them believe that if that's what they want to believe. But you know the power.
power that comes to you when you gather with God's people. Don't you let Tobiah talk you out of the blessing of God in your life. Don't you let some false teacher on YouTube talk you out of the blessing of God in your life. Don't you let some heretical teaching, some negative teaching, some false teaching, hallelujah, begin to lead you astray. But you, you cast Tobiah out of that chamber. That's a sacred chamber. And, and God commanded you to, to look after the house of God. He commanded all of us to look after the house of God, to strengthen the house of God, to strengthen the Levites, to do the role and the work that God has called them to do. Praise God. And so Tobiah was cast out of the chamber. And, and this is so important. Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 15. The Bible says in verse 15, in those days... Saw I in Judah some treading presses on the Sabbath. I saw some bringing in sheaves and lading asses. And as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens which they brought in Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day when they sold victuals. Do you see what is happening in this final chapter of Nehemiah? Nehemiah is saying, I built the walls. Now we're going to get inside these walls and we're going to set some things straight. And here's, and here's what's happening inside these walls. And we can have the most beautiful, most magnificent walls all we want. But what, but what goes on on the inside? And, and listen, I, I'm a believer that what happens on the inside is going to show up on the outside. The Bible tells us that. But understand, it is possible to have the outside looking pretty pristine. And the inside be full of dead men's bones. And do you know what that means, dead men's bones? That means, that means you've killed people with your hatred. That's what that means. It means that hatred has, has ravaged people around you. And so he said, clean the inside of the platter and the outside. So it's, listen, it, there's no, you don't, it's not, it's not uh, either or, it's both and. There are some who say it's just the inside that matters. No, he said, he said, clean the outside too. And some say, oh, it's, it's the outside that needs to be, if that's, if that's in working order, then you can worry about the inside later. Listen, he said, clean the inside first and then take care of the outside. You've got to look it and you've got to be it. You've got to be it and you've got to look it. Hallelujah. You've got to be holy and people need to look on you and understand when they see you and hear you and interact with you and do business with you and enter into contracts with you that you are holy. Hallelujah. Because you've built some walls in your life. And those walls are, I will not forsake the house of God. Those walls are, I will not enter into agreements or relationships with the Tobias of this world, the Ammonites of this world. And, and I'm speaking of a spiritual condition, not a nationality, a spiritual condition. And I will not enter into those kinds of relationships because my my involvement is going to be that that glorifies God. Nehemiah 13, 15, I saw people doing things on the Sabbath, and God said not to do that on the Sabbath. He said, I'm looking around, and I'm seeing people so focused on making a quick buck that on the day God said to set aside for his holiness and his honor, and, and it is for man to do, and it's for man to receive the blessing of it. But instead of receiving the blessing of the Sabbath, they have more confidence and their ability to, to increase their wages. So they are just, I mean, they are putting the pedal to the metal on the Sabbath. And Nehemiah said, no, 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 we're get, we've got our priorities wrong. We've got to build some walls. Walls that say, my career will not interfere with my relationship with God. Walls that say, no, no, money is not my master. Hallelujah. 
And, and I mean both, in both senses. Money is not my master in the sense that I don't worship it and I'm not trying to, I'll, I'll step on everything and everybody to, to get rich. And also it's not my master in the sense that, it, that I'm a, a slave to it and I never can be free from it. And, and poverty is, is just as much a taskmaster when it comes to money as is the person who has, who has become a slave to trying to enrich themselves. Both are, are subjects to the same master. But no man can serve two masters. Either he will serve God or he will serve mammon, the spirit connected to money. And so when you worship God, then that's who you worship. Everything else in you worships God. Everything else about you worships God. Hallelujah. When you're on the job, you need to be a worshiper of God. You don't need to be one thing on Wednesday night and another thing on Thursday morning. You don't need to be worshiping on Wednesday night and cussing on Friday afternoon. Walking into the house of God on Sunday and, and going to places that you should not go on Tuesday because that's where everybody else is going. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Nehemiah's looking around and saying, you guys are so interested and so focused on enriching yourselves that you have violated the commandments of God regarding the Sabbath. To keep it holy. And he said, I want, you to, I want you to reel it in. I want you to reel it in. And he started building walls, spiritual walls about how we do life and how we do business and, and how we serve the Lord and how we put him and his commands first. Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse, let's look at verse, um, let's look at verse number 23. Nehemiah 13 and 23. In those days also, I saw Jews that had married wives of Ashdod of Ammon and of Moab. Again, we have Ammon and Moab. And we have Ashdod. And notice what it says in verse 24. Their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod. And could not speak in the Jews language. But according to the language of each people. It is the great tragedy. It is the great tragedy when a person marries someone outside the faith. The great tragedy is that their children grow up not knowing how to speak the language of this book. I'm going to tell you, young people and those who, are, who have yet to marry, you hear me well. Marry in the apostolic faith. You find somebody that believes in Jesus' name baptism, that believes in the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, that believes in one God, that believes in holiness, that believes the word of truth, that will live for it, that will die for it. You find somebody that knows how to pray. You find somebody that's going to be committed and consecrated and willing to go through every temptation and every trial. Listen. Being apostolic is not just another denomination. No, it is following the teachings of the apostles' doctrine. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ placed into the hands of his people. Hallelujah. We are not a denominational people. We are Bible people. We are the people of the name of Jesus. We are the spirit-filled people. We are one God people. We are holiness people. Hallelujah. 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 Let me tell you something. You, you, you be careful who you marry and don't date them. Don't date them. If they're not in the truth, it may feel fun right now, but you, you won't think it's fun when you grow up and try to get serious about God and the greatest contender against you is the spouse that you love 
and, 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 it's, and now you're in, a, you're in a bind because you know what you're supposed to do. And now, and you, you weren't honest with them when you married them. You weren't honest with them as to what you know is true. You weren't honest with them about what you know is true in the word of God. You, you was a bait and switch almost. And now they feeling betrayed. And you better think real, real careful about the relationships you engage in right now. Don't date them if there's a reason you would not marry them. And it's a reason not to marry somebody if they're not serious about the things of God. I thank God for every husband and every wife who supports one another and lifts one another up in their faith and prays with each other. Keep on praying together. Keep on worshiping together. Keep on reading the word. It's a tragedy in the book of Judges that there arose a generation that knew not God. It's a tragedy. But I'll tell you how it happened. It happened when Israelites were marrying people who didn't have a clue who the God of Abraham was. Didn't have a clue who the God of Isaac and Jacob were. Don't, don't even know who that is. And so they married them and they were, they were, they were marrying them in false pretense and they enter into life. And all of a sudden, life is serious. Faith is serious. Living for God, that's serious. And when you're 30 and 40 and 50 and 60, you're going to realize how serious it is. And it'll grieve your heart when your child comes along and they don't know the God of your fathers. Uh, build those spiritual walls right now. Build those spiritual walls right now. That say I'm going to be very deliberate about who. And let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something. I, I said in the apostolic faith. But I want to tell you something. There can be people in the apostolic faith who aren't serious about God. You've got to be mindful that they're serious about God. Mindful that they're serious about God. Hallelujah. Build spiritual walls. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to date outside these walls. I'm not going to enter into contracts and agreements and, and intimate relationships outside these walls. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure. Hallelujah. That I'm, I'm within these walls. And so verse 24. Listen to what the Bible says. Their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod. That's, that's the, they could not speak in the Jews' language. But according to the language of each people. Their communication gaps. I contended with them and cursed them. He said, I smote certain of them. I plucked off their hair. I made them swear by God saying, you shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons or for yourselves. And then he says this, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him. Did outlandish women cause to sin? Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying Solomon. There, there, listen, when Jesus was trying to explain how great Solomon was. Or actually talk about his own greatness. He said Solomon was so great. But behold a greater than Solomon is here. He said the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation. And condemn it because she came from the uttermost part of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold a greater than Solomon is here. And so, so Jesus is explaining to us, Solomon was great. And Nehemiah says it. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? He was beloved of God. He was made king over all Israel. There was none like him. And even him did outlandish, what a word, outlandish. Now you, you know how we use that word. Outlandish, extravagant, flamboyant, outlandish, beyond the pale. All it means is beyond this land. That's all it means. Outlandish. Women caused him to sin. And it can be an outlandish woman. It can be an outlandish man. It can be an outlandish relationship. It can be, you've got to be careful that you are building the right kind of walls in your life. Again. It's not so you can't have any interaction outside these walls. It's so that the most important decisions of your life are made inside these walls. So that you can go forth from here 
and be a blessing to the nations. But when you don't build these walls, you end up creating problems for yourself down the road. And I thank God for a God of mercy and grace. Because, I mean, every single one of us know. You know, you know why I'm preaching with such passion and vigor tonight? Because I know what it means to not build walls the way you need to build walls. You know what it means to build, not build walls the way. How many wish you'd have built some walls earlier in life? Now, God has been good and gracious, and he brought you such a mighty long way, and you probably wouldn't change anything because of how good God has been, and he's made everything. But you do want to look at somebody coming along the same path and say, don't do what I did. Let me help you. Let me serve you. Let me instruct you. Let me tell you, build some walls. Build some altars. Have a prayer life. Make some consecrations. Make some commitments to God. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Continuing on, verse number 28 of Nehemiah 13. Listen to this. One of the sons of Joiada, the son of Eliashib. So we're talking about the grandson of Eliashib, the priest that, that did not do what he was supposed to do. The grandson of Eliashib, the priest, was, listen to this, son-in-law to Sanballat. Son-in-law to who? Sanballat. Eliashib was totally compromised. The priest himself was totally compromised because of his connections to the very adversaries who were trying to destroy the work of Nehemiah. He was, had an alliance of friendship with Tobiah, and he had an alliance of family connection to Sanballat. Notice what Nehemiah says in verse 28. Eliashib the high priest was his grandson, was the son-in-law to Sanballat the Horonite. Therefore I, Nehemiah, chased him from me. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. You hear me talk all the time about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I'll, I'll, I'll preach it until I die, Lord willing. If God will let me, I'll preach it forever. And, and if my voice gives out, I'll write it. I'll do, I'll, I believe in the fruit of the Spirit, and I believe in their potency, and I believe in their power. But let me tell you something. We don't play with sin. You chase it from your family. You chase it from you. You chase that, 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 that thing, that, that unholy relationship, that ungodly alliance. You, you chase it from you. The thief cometh not but for three reasons, okay? And don't ever forget it. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's why the thief comes. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. You chase him. You Listen. The Bible, you know how the Bible says to deal with fornication? Flee. Run. One word. Flee. Not sit down and try to resolve this and come to an understanding and see where we agree to disagree. No. Flee. Run. You chase, you chase Eliashib's grandson, the son-in-law to Sanballat, the compromised priest. You chase him out. Hallelujah, you chase it off, you, you, you run it down, you get it out, you cast Tobias stuff out of that chamber. There are times where Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, who, Jesus, who would write in the sand when the woman was caught in the act of adultery, that gentle Savior of ours, Jesus, who, who just moved out of the way and let them bring the man through the hole in the roof. You know, that takes a lot. If somebody just started sawing a hole in the roof right here, we'd probably have some questions before we ask God to heal them. We'd probably be like, uh, pardon me, excuse me. Uh, we're trying to have service here, but, uh, but, but Jesus, no, no, our gentle Savior, he just, all right. It's like it's part of his sermon. Just come on, let him down here. He's perfect, right here. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fine, right there. The children, let them come unto me. Jesus is gentle, gentle, gentle. But when he looked at those money changers in the temple, there are sometimes you flip tables. There are sometimes you overturn the money changers. There are some things you do get angry about, and it needs to be righteous anger. None of this fleshly anger. 
none of this carnal anger. Righteous anger. Praise God. Why? Because there's something sacred inside this city. There's something precious and valuable and holy. And it's something the whole earth needs. The families of the earth will be blessed by us. And they can't be blessed by us if we are just like them. So we build not just natural walls, we build spiritual walls. Nope, sorry, certain places I don't go, certain things I don't wear, certain things I don't say, certain things I don't watch, certain people I don't, I don't hang out with. No, not because I'm better. I'm not, I'm nothing without the grace of God. But there's something holy that I don't want to give up for anything. I bought it and I'm never going to sell it. It's the truth. Buy it and never sell it. Hold on to it with everything you've got. And you love everybody and be kind to everybody and be compassionate in all things. And, but be ye holy even as he is holy. Could you lift your hands unto the Lord with me right now? Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voice with me right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, precious Savior. Oh, precious Savior. Oh, precious Savior. Oh, precious Savior. Come on, that's it. Lift up a praise unto God. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you, there's a power in the church. There's a power among God's people. And it didn't come here by us being willy-nilly about everything. It didn't develop by us just being haphazard in our walk with God. It comes from a life of consecration to God. It comes from a life of devotion to God. There are going to be sacrifices we make and things we set aside disciplines that we have that the Holy Spirit instructs us to do and to keep. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord. Blessed be the name of our God. Blessed be the name of our God. Blessed be the name of our God. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now and let's seek God in the name of the Lord. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us, Jesus. 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 Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There, there is a reality. Every generation has to have a walk with God. And, and, and let, me, let me just tell you this, that, that, that when you see things that need repaired among the people of God, you let the Lord begin to minister upon your heart. And let it start right here with you. Let it start right here with you. God, help me, help me, help me. In Jesus' name. Got to, there's got to be a Nehemiah. There's got to be a Nehemiah. Hallelujah. Who will say, Lord, I'm, 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 I don't know what I can do. I'm not a builder. I'm not an engineer. I'm not an architect. But, oh, God, I can start making some consecrations in my own life. Hallelujah. You just, you just let God begin to anoint you and use you and speak to you. Hallelujah. 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 I wonder if there's somebody who can, who can feel God pulling them into a deeper place of prayer right now. I wonder if there's somebody that can feel God drawing you into a deeper dedication and devotion and consecration. And my heart prayer tonight is that perhaps there's somebody here on the verge of making a mistake. But the Lord has intervened with his word. Hallelujah. And has arrested your attention to say, no, I've preserved you for my name's sake. You are holy unto me. You are holy unto me. You are holy unto me. Hallelujah. Before we go tonight, I'm opening up these altars for people to come and say, God, help me, Lord Jesus, to know where I need to set boundaries in my life. Help me, Lord Jesus, to know where I need to be dedicated and consecrated in my life. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, there are some boundaries that God's going to move on you to establish that he won't move on others to establish. There's going to be some personal convictions that God gives you. And you need to be obedient to those things. Hallelujah. 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 Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name.
Praise His name. Oh, God can do some great things. God can do some great things in the life of a consecrated individual. Oh, let God birth a new dedication in you right now. Let God birth a new dedication in you right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe there's something in your life habit, something in your life pattern that you know needs to be changed. And God's been dealing with you. Hallelujah. I feel like the Lord's going to empower you tonight to build a spiritual wall. Hallelujah. I believe God's going to empower you tonight to build a spiritual wall. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 You will 
This includes all of us who, who want to do right in the sight of God. We want to really, truly win the battle and win the victory. And, 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 and yet there are people who can serve God for years and struggle with unseen struggles. And you can have something that you're fighting and, and, and you don't even know it, but the person down the row is fighting the very thing you're fighting. You want to build those walls, but seem like seem like send ballad and to buy come by and knock down the progress that you've made, and and you're trying to get the victory. I I, I want us right now just to I want us to encourage one another in the Lord. We're all in this together. Hallelujah, glory to God. We're all in this together, folks. I want you just to reach out and encourage somebody right now. And just if you want to place your hand on the shoulder, you can. Husband and wife, brother to brother, sister to sister. You can do that. But just know you're not alone. Hallelujah, you're not alone. We're in this thing together. Hallelujah. We're fighting the good fight of faith. We're trying to live for God. We know He's already done the work. Hallelujah. But we want Him to empower us to live in a way that is pleasing to him. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. God's gonna give you new strength tonight. God's gonna give you new strength tonight. Bless his holy name. God's gonna give you new power to run this race. God is gonna give you new power to run this race. Woo, hallelujah. He's gonna give you victory over a a habit that you've been trying to defeat for years. God's going to give you victory over it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That doubt that's been attacking your mind, God's going to give you victory over that doubt. Hallelujah. God's going to give you victory over that worry and that anxiety. God's going to give you victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and overtake us, yes. Oh, that's it, that's it. Revive us, oh God. Revive us, oh God. Revive us, oh God. Breathe upon us with the...